Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on a beautiful Friday morning in Queen City, Texas in the studio behind the church. If you live anywhere near uh, Queen City, Atlanta, Texarkana, uh, invite you every Friday morning at 9 o'clock to be here with us for our Bible study. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Today will be part 4. We're just rolling through the scriptures, finding the good treasures that God has hidden there, not from us, but for us, and that we might hear every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, because Jesus taught that's how we live, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, every word that we hear, and uh, that's another reason we're told to study the word, so we can hear more of what God has said, and we can walk with Him by faith and experience the things that come by grace through faith. And we've had a wonderful Bible study here in First uh, Timothy and uh, looking really forward to getting to Second Timothy, which has always been a little more... Uh, interesting to me than First Timothy and a lot, lot, of, a lot of more meat, and that's just me personally. But today we'll be be beginning in verse 12, 1 Timothy chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or on your smartphone, however you get to the Word of God. And uh, Next week, Robin and I will be out of town all week. We won't be, I won't be doing any live broadcast uh, Monday, Thursday, Friday, none of that. We'll be gone out of town for a whole week. So uh, Andrew's in town. He'll be preaching this next Wednesday and Sunday morning. So make sure you tune in. Uh, and just enjoy the YouTube channel, whatever you need to do. But we're, we're going to uh, be gone for a week, looking forward to the little getaway there. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, the Spreaker app. Uh, for those who have ears to hear, you can watch through Roku on the channel sermon.net. Uh, I mean, there's... a. Uh, uh, podcast. We're on there. There's lots of avenues you can uh, find us and we pray that you do and follow along because we need to be learning God's words of truth in their righteous context and I believe we have to if faith is really going to come and we're going to be able to experience and express Christ like we need to do each and every day, not just uh, try to do it good on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. We need to have a daily expression of Christ at home, on the job, in the classroom, in the church house, wherever we are. And so uh, avail yourself to those avenues uh, that you can find us online. First uh, Timothy chapter 6 this morning, Paul, he's writing to Timothy in the church there in Ephesus and to us as well. And uh, he tells Timothy here to fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, this is a powerful scripture and of course, Paul would never tell Timothy uh, to do anything he hadn't himself done. And in his second epistle to Timothy, he is in prison and waiting on his uh, sentence there to be carried out of death. He's waiting to be martyred. And uh, he writes to Timothy in that second letter and tells him, I've run, my, I've run the race, I've ran my course, I've, I've fought the fight, run the course. And so uh, he's not telling Timothy to do anything, and we'll see in this lesson today that he, he has the authority, and Timothy allows him to have the authority to command him. 
and, and we'll see that today in this study that when we, when we really are walking with the Lord, we have people in our lives, and I'm not talking about some unhealthy, domineering, dominating uh, way, pastors and saints and all that. I'm talking about uh, the charges always come from the word of the Lord, not just somebody trying to command somebody. So Paul the Apostle was... Uh, he had the commands, the direction of the Holy Spirit to give Timothy these commands we'll see today. And so again, Paul never asked anybody to do anything. He hadn't himself already experienced and was carrying out. So and let me I'll make some statements about this one verse. You could stay on this one verse of Scripture for quite some time. But fighting the good fight of faith always results in laying hold on eternal life. There is a, a, a process here shown us of progress. In other words, you can't lay hold on eternal life. You, and laying hold on eternal life is having the experience of it. Now, I mean, you have eternal life. His name is Jesus. You have Him. He dwells in you by His Spirit. And, and it, but that doesn't mean that you will daily lay hold on Him. Uh, Paul would tell the church, put on Christ and put on the whole armor of God. All these are, expre are expressions of keeping your faith in the cross so the Holy Spirit can work in your life so the things written in the New Testament can take place by grace through faith. And so our call, our, our really our purpose in life as a Christian above all other purposes is to experience Christ and to express Christ. As a husband, a, a wife, a mama, a daddy, a pastor, a, a, a greeter at the church, at the door, it, it doesn't matter what, a welder, a truck driver, your ministry every day above all things, above all things, is to experience Christ, lay hold on this eternal life that you have, to be able to express Him. You got that? I mean, if we're not expressing Christ, then we're not experiencing Christ. I, I could say it this way because it's true. To experience Christ is really to express Christ. If you're experiencing Him, if you're laying hold on Him, you're, you're expressing Him. And, and that expression grows more and more because we're being conformed into His image and we're known less and less for who we were in the world, less and less for what we used to do and the way we used to talk. And man, don't invite Him. He don't drink no more. Oh, man, don't be talking about gambling around Him. He don't do that stuff. I mean, all that stuff and, and it, it, it is noticed because we're laying hold on this eternal life. Not because we go to church, but because look, church is full of sinful folk. And I'm not talking about we don't all have a problem with sin. I'm talking about church is full of folk who don't know how to get out of sin. And I'd be willing to say probably a lot of them don't want to get out of sin. Uh, because uh, uh, they, they're trapped and they don't know the way out. And so they think going to church is the way out. But anyway, to lay hold on eternal life it really is the manifestation of you fighting the good fight of faith. And let me make this statement. We've made it through the years, and it is a fact. If you're not fighting for the faith, contending, as Jude would write, for the faith, then you're, you're not living in victory. You will fight 
the good fight of faith or you will live a defeated life. If you're not fighting for the faith, you're not walking in the faith because the faith doesn't just, woo, happen. You don't just wake up and walk in the faith. Hallelujah. No, every day of your life, things that are derived out of your own flesh and things coming into your life from all other avenues are going to try to make you not live in the faith, not contend for the faith, not be focused on the faith. You're surrounded by it every day. Might be, again, just your own fleshly desires, your your family not wanting to live for God. You're surrounded by people who hate God or, or, or Christians who don't know anything about living for God. You're surrounded by it every day. You turn the TV on. It's a pull on your flesh. You, uh, you Just about everywhere you go. Uh, and if you don't learn to fight the good fight of faith, you'll never be able to lay hold on eternal life because you don't lay hold on it by something you say or something you go and do. You lay hold on eternal life by fighting the good fight of faith. It's faith. It's not what you work for, it's faith. And it's the faith of Jesus Christ that loved you and gave himself for you. So, the Bible here says, this is what we were called to. Whereunto you are also called. We're called unto this fight. We're called unto this experience of eternal life. But listen, you're called to a fight. Jesus fought and won the works are finished, but you've got to walk in a finished work. And to walk in that finished work, you've got the same fight. But the battle is the Lord's. That's the good news. He fought and won. But you have to live in His victory. But that comes with a fight. Because everything's against you in this world. There's nothing in this world except the righteousness of God that's not against you. Nothing. Everything's against you. Your flesh is against you. The devil's against you. All the world system's against you. Most of the church today is against you if you're trying to fight the good fight of faith. Here's a great example. Young man gets born again. He's on fire for God. Man, he can't get enough of studying the Word. He can't get enough of everything. And the old men, the old deacons in church, been Christians 40, 50 years... They say, oh, just give him time. He'll burn out like the rest of us. And they'll even contribute to that. And so we need to... We, that, that's just a great example of, of people just being slowly seduced and pulled away, looking at people that should be an example but are not an example, and that, which that's wrong anyway. We should look to Christ and look for those who are following Christ. But this is what we're called unto, the Bible says. And... He says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are also called, and you have professed, you've confessed a good confession before many witnesses. That's when you got saved, man. You were so glad you were saved now. You were so happy you were saved. Man, you, you talked about it. You, you, you had words, because the Bible says, when you believe in with the heart unto righteousness, the mouth is going to speak about it. It, whatever you're trusting with the heart, that's what your mouth is going to speak. That's why most Christians today, you start talking about the Lord, they start talking about the preacher or the church you go to. Because that's what they're believing unto. I'm serious. When, when, you, when you come across folks who are also believing unto righteousness, faith in the cross, not, well, you know, that's what we believe, brother. No, I'm talking about that's what they open the Bible and that's where they are. That's where the Word of God takes them to Jesus and what He accomplished at Calvary. You're going to know them people. 
There's going to be a kindred spirit there. Fighting the good fight of faith results in laying hold on eternal life. It is the result of fighting the good fight of faith. There is no such thing as fighting the good fight of faith that does not manifest in the experience of eternal life. Paul said it this way, Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ. If I'm breathing, it's Christ because the life I live, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. His name is Jesus. The experience of Jesus Christ. We're called unto this experience of eternal life. And I, I, I debated whether I'll read this or not, but I'll go ahead and read it. Maybe the reason most Christians are not laying hold on eternal life, well, really, number one, is because they don't know how. They don't know the way of the cross as it refers to their daily experiences. But maybe it's also because they become ashamed of the very message. They become ashamed of Jesus. They they become become ashamed of 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 what they become a Christian. And I, I I can give examples over that today. When 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 people begin to talk about the Lord, do you enter in and, and as a Christian and talk about that? When people are are bashing truth, do you say anything? Are you still testifying and speaking about your testimony, how God saved you? Do you ever do that? I'm, I'm talking about, do you ever do that? Do you ever bring that up? Well, you know, you're not who, you don't seem like the person you used to be. Well, it's because Jesus saved me. Or do you say as a Christian, well, I've grown up. No, that's your open door to say why you're not like you used to be. You know, because I, Jesus saved me. You know, we lose that testimony because here, you know, we become, and part of the reason Paul wrote to Timothy, because Timothy was being attacked in a way that would obviously cause him to be timid, become timid among leader, people who were trying to lead in a wrong direction, people of influence who thought they were something. And that's why Paul told, told Timothy, he said, look, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. But a love, power, and a sound mind. That needed to be told to Timothy because he was under attack. And we don't ever need to let what God's doing in our lives be something we're ashamed of. We need to let that be expressed. And when we stop expressing that and ever saying anything about it, and all we talk about is where we go to church, and that's, that's the great our testimony. That's it right there. Who my pastor is and where I go to church. Listen, you ain't experiencing life. You're experiencing religion. You need to tell them what Jesus did for you and what he's doing now for you. How he's showing you a greater life than ever before in the word of God. Amen. The fight of faith is a good fight because it's a fight that cannot be lost. This is going to be good this morning. Faith, Galatians 5, 6, the Bible says faith works by love. Love can't fail. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love can't fail. Love cannot fail. God is love. God can't fail. See, it traces all the way back to God. You got that? Faith can't fail. I might fail if I, if I turn away from the faith, if I go after something that's not the faith. Even though I think I'm in the faith, I'm only in some, a faith. That's not the faith. But the faith works by love, and love can't fail. I gave you scriptures for it. Galatians 5, 6, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. And God is behind all of that. God is love. God became a man, went to the cross, tasted death by the grace of God, by faith. Well, that's just better teaching, and you'll say, yeah, come on now. <laughs> 
God is love, and God became a man, and by grace, through faith, the God-man went to the cross. Because of what? Because he loved us. So faith can never fail because it works by love, and love can never fail. People say, people are about to, about to get married, and, and a, lot of, a lot of your uh, Christian people today will even say, why are you marrying them? Because we love each other. Well, you better, you better have more than love. Love won't keep you today. They don't know what love is. Those folk don't know the Bible. They live in, in the flesh. Love covers a multitude of what they say in love won't get you through. Love covers every issue, a multitude of sins. And if you are looking toward God and what he did in his son at Calvary, that's what your faith is in. That's the faith that worked and still works only by love. That love. It can't fail. The cross didn't fail. The cross looked like a failure. But when Jesus come out of that grave, everybody said, we were wrong. <laughs> he was right all along. And so it wasn't a failure. It looked like a failure. The Bible says we esteemed him stricken of God. I guess he was cursed. I guess he was blaspheming. But when he come out that grave, everybody had to say, if they had any common sense, I guess he was right all along. We the blasphemers, not him. <laughs> the Christian only loses to the dominion of sin when they refuse to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Which simply put, is just waking up every day acknowledging that I don't have to work for anything. I don't have to fight to get my way. I have to believe so I can have God's way functioning in and through my life. God's way is this eternal life He's called us to. He's called us to it. The eternal life, the experience of it. The good fight of faith in experience is refusing to trust in anything other than Christ and Him crucified. Christ and Him crucified. Let me read it again. The good fight of faith in experience is refusing to trust in anything other than Christ and Him crucified. And I've been saying this a lot lately, and I'll say it right now at this point in this teaching, that when, and I did it for years, I did it for years, 99% of the church is doing it today. When I claim I'm trusting in the cross, but I'm also trusting in this program or that, or I, my words I speak, this or that, even biblical things that I'm doing, my faith is, all, we have to also do this. We have to do this because if we don't, we're, you know, we're not, we're not acceptable. If I don't do this, I'm not righteous. If I, and we need to be careful. We need to be very careful with all that because anything that I'm trusting in other than Christ and what did Calvary is a statement from our heart to God. The cross just wasn't quite enough. And if you'll remember the story in Exodus when Moses came down the mountain and they built the golden calf, guess what else they had put right beside it? The altar. We'll manipulate God. As long as we keep the altar near, just as long as we keep saying the cross then we can also, God said, ain't having it. Ain't having it. There can't be a mixture because if there's a mixture, you're telling me, God said, you're telling me that what I do in the sacrifice, what I've, the avenue through which I've made for you to have life and life eternally and life abundantly, a relationship with me, is just not quite enough. You see how 
That, that's, that's what we tell God. Oh, not with our lips. Oh, God, thank you for the cross. And thank you also for the purpose driven and the government of 12 and the words now I can speak and command God. That's what the word of faith really is all about. A man told Robin and I recently that, hey, hey, y'all know we have, we have the power. We, 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 can even, we can even tell God how we're going to die. I mean, and he's, he's in that church that we come out of several years ago, and they, they think they can command God heeding to them. <laughs> that ain't what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we are to heed unto him. We, listen, God ain't living by every word we speak, and we're not going to live by every word we command God. We live by every word we believe God has said. So, uh, and I've already shared this with you, but Paul from his prison cell, preparing to die in martyrdom, tells Timothy this in 2 Timothy 4 and 7, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. How? I've kept the faith. Kept it. That means Paul preached it. What did he preach? The faith. Paul lived the faith. Paul kept the faith. He never gave the faith away for something other. That's why Paul was, when he became, when Paul, there was a time when Paul became determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. And at the same time he said that, he also said, now my preaching, my preaching is with power and demonstration of the Spirit so that your faith won't stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He said that all in one little context, one little paragraph there to the church in Corinth. <coughs> then in verse 13 here in our text today, he says, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickens all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. And we'll read it again. I give you command in the sight of God who quickens all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Now, I want to talk about this for a few minutes today. Paul was the last apostle who received the authority from God to speak on God's behalf and to write what we know as Scripture today. He was the last one. There is no men who've come along after Paul who's had the authority to write Scripture. He was the last one. It was him and the other apostles. They wrote the New Testament Scriptures. I need to add that, New Testament Scriptures. I mean, if, if, uh, if Joseph Smith, the guy who was used by Satan to erect the whole Mormon religion, would, would have been a Bible believer... He wouldn't ever believe that angel called Moroni who approached him and, and gave him all them lies. But, see, but he was able to be lied to because he didn't really believe what Paul said under the authority of God. If, if I even come to you, an angel from heaven come to you and give you any other gospel than what I've already given you, let them be accursed. If he would have knew that, clung to that, believed that God's authority was upon Paul, he would have told that demonic fallen angel demon whatever it was see you later that's not what the bible says 
And if you don't stick with what the Bible says, and a lot of preachers today are throwing out the authority that Paul had. So I was told a couple years ago, well, probably about three or four years ago now, some preacher right down the road in Texarkana has taken some of the book of Romans out and says Paul didn't understand what we understand today. Let me tell you something, folks. We don't understand everything Paul understood. Paul received direct revelation from the Lord and was given the authority to speak it to others and to even command those that would heed God's working through him. And I want to be one of them people. I don't worship Paul, but I worship God. And God spoke through Paul and gave Paul the very mission to people like us who were Gentiles to reach out and to speak into our lives. It's God through Paul, just like it's God through preachers, as long as the preachers are speaking the words of God. Not just we, I'm a pastor and I can command you to do stuff. No, that's in the church today, but that ain't in this church. <laughs> the same charges Paul gave Timothy remain relevant today toward every minister called of God and are not options but commands. And in this, uh, in, in, in the, in these these letters to Timothy, you'll see three or four charges, commands that God through Paul gave Timothy. And he says, I give you charge in the sight of God who quickens all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Paul reminds us that it is God who gives all things life. He gave you the physical life you have and he will give you the spiritual life you can have if your faith is placed in Christ who is life and what he did at Calvary. He relates this to Christ's confession and witness before Pontius Pilate. And I'll read you uh, a couple of scriptures here. Matthew 27, 11 through 14 says, And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, You say it. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against you? Don't you hear everything they're charging you with? And he answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. See, God, the Father, was defending Jesus, and Jesus and our Heavenly Father defends us today. You know, there are those people that you come across, they, they ask questions because they want to learn. And there are those that ask questions because they want to just be controversial, be argumentative. And Jesus knew these people were not after the truth. They were just after whatever would keep their position in authority or whatever would make them look good spiritually among the people. That's all they were after. They weren't after truth. And three or four years ago, the Lord told me, you'll know those who want the truth, those who are after the truth, because when they hear it, they'll accept it. Never forget that. A lot of people say they're after truth, but they never accept it when they hear it, which proves in their heart <coughs> they're not after truth. God sent truth to those who would receive truth. Watch this also in John 18.33. Y'all all right this morning? <clears throat> John 18.33, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, Sayest, uh, 
you say this thing, are you saying this thing of yourself or did somebody else tell you about me? Pilate answered, I'm a Jew. Thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered you unto me. What have you done? Now watch this answer from Jesus now. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from here. Pilate therefore said unto him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause... But he's the authority. He's the authority there that they brought Jesus to. Now this is a powerful statement Jesus is giving him here. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Why, why do you have to hear Jesus' voice if you're of the truth? Because he says that he came into the world to bear witness of the truth. He also says, to this end I was born. What end? That I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone that is of the truth will hear my voice. And it confirms what the Lord told me three or four years ago. You know who they are who really are after truth. Because when they hear it, rather when they hear Him, they accept it. Truth is a person named Jesus, first of all. And truth also, when you know the truth, Jesus, when you know Jesus, you are freed from sin. So it, the truth is a man named Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Everybody all right? Pilate said unto him, Okay then, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. See, Jesus didn't answer him again. Wasn't no need to answer him. There's no need to answer people who, when you detect, they're not after the truth. You shake the dust off your feet and you move on. The Bible doesn't tell you to beg people for 30 years to get saved. The Bible says when they don't receive what you have, this message of truth, for you to shake your feet off and move on. If you, if you sat there and wrestled with them 30 years, 30 days, when God's told you to do otherwise, shake the dust off your feet and move on, you finna lose what you got. Because you're going to let whatever it is they're refusing to receive, you're going to lose that wrestling with them. Come on now, God ain't told you to sit there and wrestle with them, lay out there on the front porch for 20 years, waiting for them to get up and beg them again, beg them. God's told you when they don't receive what you're offering them, shake the dust off your feet and go move on because there's somebody else that will. Maybe later if they get right. God ain't told you to sit there and beg them. Told you to move on. Other charges from Paul to Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, 20 and 21, them that sin rebuke before all. Oh my Lord. <laughs> them that sin rebuke before all. Now I believe here he's probably talking about ministers who are living in sin, won't repent. That others may also fear. He says, I charge you there before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got the authority. I'm, I'm giving you this command before God. God's given me this command to give you and before Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without preferring one another, doing nothing in partiality. 
Do you know this mess we got going on in our nation right now, the tearing down of the statues and what words say they're trying to protect themselves? Words say that they're uh, tired of this and tired of that. Words uh, words mean absolutely nothing uh, unless it's the truth of Almighty God. But really, it's a, it's a boatload of hypocrisy and evil and lawlessness. And the, the root of it all is unrighteousness and lawlessness. I, I don't want to be held accountable. I want to be able to rob a bank if that's what I want to do and get away with it. You don't have any reason to lock me up because I did something evil. And that's, what the, that's really what they're after here. But really, partiality is behind hypocrisy and respecter of persons. Being a respecter of persons is hypocrisy. Peter, you hear me say it often, jumped in a big boat of hypocrisy. You can read about it in Galatians 2 when he, he moved away from the Gentiles and back over with the, with the men that showed up from James' church, uh, he became ashamed of what he was doing. What was he doing? He had been living in freedom, the freedom and liberty accepted of Christ. But when the people from James's church showed up, he, he was moved with fear, uh, worried about what they would think, and he became a respecter of persons. He stepped into a boatload of hypocrisy. And so he had to be corrected. And, and because being a respecter of persons is a sin. When the guy comes in all decked out in church like he's got a $5,000 suit on and you invite him and his wife to sit on the front row but the guy that comes in in short breeches and sandals, you hope he stays in the back. He probably stinks. and That's a respecter of persons. I don't care how you put it, how you word it. I don't care what past experiences have. That is a respecter of persons. Hallelujah. I, well, you, you just have to be a Bible believer and not today's religious uh, spirit that's out there in, in, in most places. Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, I charge thee, we're talking right now, focused on Paul commanding. And let me say this before we read this scripture, and I said it a couple of Wednesday nights ago, very few people in the church can even be pastored, much less commanded to do anything. We, we're people, especially in our nation, we don't even like the word command unless it's us giving them. We don't like the word command. That, that makes us uh, think about uh, his, historical situations. Or they, I mean, it, it reminds us of something that really what it does, it lets me know I'm not in control. Somebody else trying to control me when they command me. But spiritually speaking, Timothy allowed the Apostle Paul, first of all, he accepted his call from God. Just like Peter did and the other apostles to some degree accepted Paul. And, but Timothy allowed Paul to speak into his life. And if you're going to grow as a Christian, you're going to have to allow a minister somewhere to speak into your life. Now, I'm not talking about some false, out of the faith, uh, not preaching the cross church, who's just preaching all sorts of stuff, trying to denominate you. I'll give a good example. There's a church here in our community. There's a church in every community that's like the one I'm about to explain. They don't teach and preach their doctrine from the pulpit. They got all kind of hidden doctrines that they really uh, believe that what makes them the church they are uh, underlying doctrines that they don't share in the pulpit, but they wait till they see some person who's hungry, some person who really wants to be used by God, and then when they see them coming and wanting to learn, and this is what they notice that 
that you're, you're subjecting yourself to me, then they take them in another room and begin to fill them with these, with these doctrines that are unbiblical, such as you're not going to heaven unless you're baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. If you don't have that, you ain't going to heaven. That Jesus is the, that the Spirit of God, that Jesus Christ is the Spirit. Jesus Christ is the Father. There's a church like that in every town. It's called the oneness movement. And they don't preach all that from their pulpit. But here's where the abuse and the manipulation comes in. When they see somebody who's hungry to learn and they will subject themselves to me as the pastor, then they carry them and begin to... Because see, at that point, they, they under, they, this, this guy, the pastor, realizes whatever I tell them, they're going to accept now because I'm the preacher. You got to be careful with that. I mean, Andrew's got friends like that that were on fire for God and in the right direction, but then they got hooked up somewhere under somebody, subjected themselves, just like Timothy did to Paul, but Paul was preaching the cross. For all grew the grace of God, not false things. And, and so when you, when you subject yourself under somebody in that manner, you're in big trouble because you're following them and they're not following Christ. You ain't nobody following Christ that's not trusting exclusively in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm, and I mean that. If they're not, if that's not what they're trusting in, they're not following Christ. You can't follow Him. You can't be a disciple. Jesus taught if you don't take up your cross. Amen. Well, I'm teaching better than your amen. He says that, uh, in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. <laughs> Pre I love this scripture. Preach the word. That's easy, isn't it? I hear Robin back here in that other room. Amen. <laughs> Preach the word. What's hard about that? Why don't I get up and tell a 20-minute story? Preach the Word. That's easy. See, some people just can't really completely... Well, I don't know if anybody completely, but to this degree, submit to the Word. Preach the Word. Preach the cross. What's hard about Preach the Word. I don't care about 40 years ago. Preach the Word. That's what, that's what we have here at Crossway Church. I'm so thankful for it. We, 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 we may tell of an event. We may speak of something, but that doesn't take preeminence and it's not carried out half the service. We preach the Word. And with the Word, we allow the Word to teach us about this Word. And the Word, to, it's all about the Word. Preach the Word. It's a command that God gave Paul to give Timothy and everybody who has ears to hear today because Paul was an apostle to us Gentiles just as Peter was an apostle to the Jews. <clears throat> Preach the word. Be instant. Instant. That means ready. That means you've already studied. You're in a constant time of study. Your life is a time of study and prayer. That's not what you do when it's convenient for you. As a child of God, an obedient child of God, you're a student of the Word. You are a prayerful person. And the church has broke it down. Well, they're the people of prayer. They're the people of the... If you're a born-again child of God who's living in obedience, you are a student of the Word and a person person of prayer. Hallelujah. He says, preach the word, <clears throat> be instant, 
in season, out of season. That means when I ask, when somebody asks me to speak, I don't say, well, I'm not really ready. I'm not really, uh, what we'll call it, studied up on it. Now, I, I, you're not going to hear that. If I come into a place and they say, you know what, Brother Curtis, there's 500 people here and the preacher was supposed to speak. He, he, he's, he, he had something wrong. He can't come. Would you speak? You're not going to hear me say, uh, well, no, I can't do that. I ain't had no time to study for that. No, uh-uh. All I got to do is get up and let it flow. Open the Bible and there it'll be. Hallelujah. God will give you the direction. God wants you to be ready instant, in season, out of season. Out of season. You know, are you, uh, could you speak today? Sure. What would you need it to be about? Anything particular? I should just... Amen, Brother Curtis. Be ready. In season. That means if you're on the calendar, on the schedule, or if somebody just calls you and said, I can't come, I need you to preach today. Oh! No, it ought to be, praise God, I had a word ready anyway. Hallelujah. I got a word ready. I remember years ago, church we were in, one of the pastors that we were starting a new church 30 minutes away, and, and uh, he, he'd preach there early, early in the morning on Sunday, and then he'd drive back quickly to the other church here in Queen City, but he told me, he said, in case something happens there where I'm at first, you always be ready to preach. And if I'm not there by this time right here, you take it, and you, when it comes time for the message, you preach. So I was ready all the time. I don't care. If, he, if I knew he was coming, I was still ready. But I, you know, it, it, Well, I don't know. I'm ready, though. That's what he's talking about here. Preach the Word. To preach the Word, you've got to know the Word. To know the Word, you've got to study the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. What are you going to do with it? Reprove, rebuke. I don't like them words. That's what the Word of God does, though. It reproves us, it corrects us, it rebukes us. It, it listen, look, that ain't right. Church don't like that today either. Always correcting. Well, if the church wasn't so messed up, there wouldn't be no need for all this correcting. They don't like they don't like being told that they're not right. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That means when you get tired of doing it, fellas and gals, keep on doing it. Long suffering, patient. Listen. Exhort, that means keep on encouraging, keep on rebuking, keep on reproving with all long-suffering and doctrine. Make sure you're covered with doctrine when you're reproving and rebuking and, and exhort. Make sure the doctrine is there, the right teaching is there. You can't just be correcting, folk, based on what you feel is right. Verse 14 says that you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the... The appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This ain't something you're going through, Timothy, for six months, six years. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're commanded to do until the Lord comes for you. This ain't a phase of your life. This is your life from now on. 
How about that? Today's Christianity, especially in America, is a phase. Yeah, we used to be in church. Yeah, we used to teach Sunday school. Yeah, we used to work with the youth. I used to, I used to. Listen, the Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love in that you did, you have ministered to the saints and that you are ministering to the saints. Psalm 92 says that when we get old that we should still be fat and flourishing. Hallelujah. It don't mean physically obese. That means, that means abounding now, even in our old age, in the things of God that we, we didn't have some faith. Yeah, we, we had a phase. We were young once and now we ain't, but we still flourishing in the things of God. Hallelujah. We yeah, I, I used to be in church. I don't want to ever have to say that. I want to say I'm still in church. Hallelujah. I'm still in a spirit-filled church preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm still in that same spot rubbing carpet off the, off the ground with my hands up every service when I, when I say, oh, I don't feel good this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When I, when I forget my hands ain't up, my, why ain't you, hey, hey, glory to God. Come on now. <laughs> Talk myself into it. Amen. Keep this commandment without spot. Don't let this commandment get spotted. Don't let it get, let it stay clear. Don't let this commandment get spotted. Listen, do these things and don't allow rebukes for doing these things. Look, unrebukable. They gonna come rebuke you. All you ever do is warn. All you ever do is rebuke. All you ever do is reprove. All you ever do is, 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 is continuing to exhort in these things in your doctrine of the cross. Paul tell, commands Timothy here, listen, do it without spot and unrebukable. When they rebuke you for it, you just keep on going because their rebuke upon you towards you for doing what you've been called to do, if you listen to that rebuke, you're going to end up in the ranks of where they are. But we're, we're not going to be spotted by their telling us we warn too much. We're not going to be spotted. We're not going to accept their rebuke. One of us is going to accept the rebuke of the other, but I'm not accepting their rebuke. I'm going to keep on doing what I've been commanded to do by God through Paul, not only to Timothy, but to us. This is for all of us. Hallelujah. The commandment is to fight. The commandment here is to fight the good fight of faith. He says that you keep this commandment. And if you keep this commandment, you're fighting the good fight of faith. You, you're going to be laying hold of eternal life. And it is the result of what he's already commanded him to do. Not to be like those other folk, but to follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and patience. Isn't that what he told them? Look, verse 11. But you, O man of God... And why does he say, but you, O man of God? Because he just got through talking about everybody who's living with the love of money in their hearts. The love of the world in their hearts. Some, he's talking about the church. Some have coveted after. They've erred from the faith. They've, they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But verse 11 says, but you... Oh, man of God. I could say to Gladys and Robin this morning, but you, oh, woman of God, <clears throat> flee these things. 
Don't sit there and tamper around with them. Don't sit there and, and play, play around. Flee them like, like Joseph fled when that woman yanked his towel off and said, Woo, you a good looking man. I want you. I don't care if I do. I'm married to some high ranking officer. Who was it uh, she was married to? Not Pharaoh, but uh, a high ranking right under Potiphar. Potiphar's wife. And, I mean, and Joseph right there <coughs> had an opportunity but Joseph hit the road. <laughs> Joseph said, hit the road, Jack, and don't come back no more. I'm going to tell you, it means what it said. Flee these things. That means you ain't hanging out with folk who have the love of money in their heart. You ain't hanging out with them. With the excuse you're trying to help them. If you're trying to help them, you're rebuking them. If you're hanging out with them for the right reason, you're rebuking them. Amen, Brother Curtis. Keep on going. Go two hours this morning. But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, which results in following after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Laying hold on eternal life is expressed in our following after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Mm. Verse 15 here says, which in times past he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the king of kings and lord of lords. The word potentate means ruler with the greatest authority. Jesus is the ruler with the greatest authority. When He comes, He'll manifest His righteousness, the godliness that should be lived by men, His people. He is the King of kings over all kings. He is the Lord over all lords. And I love this, and I think about it often. When He comes, He's going to reign for a thousand years. He's not going to reign. we got, we got bad politicians. Who, who are in office 40, 50, 60 years. Jesus is going to be the head man. The, the rule. He, Jesus is going to be the rule as the Lord of righteousness for 1,000 years. America hadn't even been here 300 years yet. And He's going to reign the entirety of the earth for 1,000 years. He's not going to have Republicans or Democrats. He's not going to have a constitution. Thank God for the constitution of America. He's not going to have policemen. He's not going to have lawyers. He's not going to have all these things. <coughs> His rod of authority, the Bible, I said the Bible says, is righteousness. You're going to love it because you're learning to love it now. But, but most of the world, even though there won't be wars, there won't be weapons made for war, the fruit of the ground will be blessed. And, and, and I, I mean, there, there won't, I don't believe there's going to be tornadoes, there's not going to be tsunamis, hurricanes, there's not going to be all these because the, the King of Peace is reigning. The Lord of our righteousness is reigning. But most of humanity is going to hate Him because unless you're born again, 
and you continue to look unto him, you will hate his righteousness. Again, that's what's going on in the streets of America at this present time. There is a hatred for righteousness. That, that, that's, that's the underlying root of it all. There is a hatred for that which is right. What's right? Not them or them. The Bible says in Psalms 33, 4, does anybody know what that verse says? For the word of the Lord is right. And all God's words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. In that day, a thousand years, Jesus, our Lord of righteousness, will reign and the rule will be righteousness. And the devil will eventually, for a short season, be released from that bottomless pit and gather again as many people to him as there are sands on the seashore. That means after a thousand years of almost perfection, uh, without storms and wars, and, 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 and when sickness takes place, people can come and eat off a tree and get well without having big doctor bills and all that that mess, they will still hate righteousness. Mm, I love me some righteousness. What's that mean? That means I love who I am in Christ because I was created to in Christ and I was created in righteousness and true holiness through my faith, my singular trust in what He did for me at Calvary. That was the only righteous work God accepted. I come to God through Christ, through faith in that work. I'm righteous, a servant of righteousness. And that's what we're going to be doing, folks, for a thousand years. You wonder what you're going to be doing? We don't know in full detail, but you're going to be serving righteousness without any hindrance. You're going to be serving the Lord by serving His righteousness. It's going to be so grand. We can't imagine how good it's going to be. I mean, you might be in Australia. You might be in Spain. Gladys, you may be over in Korea. I mean, Robin, you probably going to be in Russia. I don't... <laughs> I'm just picking this morning. But it ain't going to matter where we are because the Lord's rule will be over all the earth. There will be nations that refuse to serve Him. Goat nations. But there will also be sheep nations. Before that ever really comes into uh, uh, the fullness of it all, we're seeing a movement toward that now. Everything that is coming, you start to see bits and pieces of it now when righteousness comes back to the pulpit. You, you, also, when people begin to move away from certain places of where they live to, to be uh, among more of the, the, the things that are after the way of the Lord, like whole cities now, people moving out of them because it's just lawlessness. And I'm not saying there's not some lawlessness in every town because it's a matter of the heart, but some places are just being overridden by a hatred for righteousness. And that's what it is. That's what it is. We saw a group of people the other day, uh, I did, I saw a video of it, a whole 
big group of people telling two cops they were there to pray for them and commanding the cops to take a knee. Did y'all see that? Tell them, take a knee. And started chanting, take a knee, take a knee, take a knee. In other words, we're not praying for you unless you take a knee. It was just control, unrighteousness. They weren't there re- uh, representing the God of the Bible. They were there as a rebellious spirit using the word God, using the words prayer. And that you're going to see a greater movement toward that which is rebellion. It's always been here. Antichrist always been here, that spirit. But you're going to see more and more of it because where we're headed, it, you, you can watch where we are and know, if you know the Bible, that's where we're headed. You start to see bits and pieces of it. Like the hatred for righteousness. What do you think the two witnesses are going to preach? The two witnesses that God's going to have. What do you think their message is going to be? It's going to be Righteousness. The messengers of righteousness. That Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God who came as the Lamb to die for the sins of the world. They're not going to be out there teaching. You can have the words you speak. They're not going to be out there teaching. Uh, They're going to be teaching the righteousness of God because that's what's hated by all the world to such a degree that when those two men die, the world throws a party and gives gifts to each other because they're dead. There is a hatred today even in the church for righteousness. And people talk about preachers who become like Paul, determined to know absolutely nothing else, and they talk behind the scenes. Well, it ain't to that degree, and they're taking that the wrong way. Let me tell you something. If you're listening to those voices, I don't care how well they might have been used by God in the past, you're in danger. When Christ comes, He will reign, not with diplomacy, not with any constitutional authority, but His rod of authority will be His righteousness. His kingdom will be of righteousness. His reign and rule will be that of righteousness. The majority of all the earth will hate Him in His righteous way, but there will be no voting Him out of office. He will reign for a thousand years no matter who likes it or who don't. He won't be able to be removed. The main reason He won't be able to be removed is because He is in utter control of all things. He controls the weather, He controls the animals, and He controls the people. He controls it all. Now, I'm going to have to quit here today because we're out of time. You see how fast time goes in a Bible study? Man, you show up and you're leaving out the same door. You don't even feel like you've been here long, do you? I'm glad you're here today. Thanks for coming. Thanks for tuning in. I pray that God will have been able to get into your heart with His truth. The truth of Jesus Christ. and the, the, We live again. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yet Jesus claims He is our life. And that's why when we open the Bible, we have to talk about Jesus. We have to talk about what He did at Calvary. And, and, and that truth of who He is and what He did has to be applied to all the Scripture at all times. No matter what the doctrine is in the Bible, it must be tied to that form of doctrine that frees you from sin and allows us to be servants of His righteousness. I hope you tune in every Friday morning. Be a part of this Bible study. If you live anywhere close to where we are, we invite you. Bring your coffee, your Bible. You'll enjoy yourself even more so if you could be here. And... uh, 
Tune in to the Roman Bible study every Monday and Thursday mornings at 8.30 a.m. Don't forget to pray for us. Don't forget to sow into this good ground. God's sharing and imparting into you the truth of His Word. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com and you can text your giving to 903-231-5950. God bless you. We do love you and are praying for you and we'll see you next time. But until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you. See you then.